If you haven't been with us the last several weeks, I started this series that I titled Love Always Changes You. And I've been talking about how the experiences of life, the things we experience, end up changing us and transforming us spiritually. And the thing about experiences, as we talk about them in this series, is we don't have to wait for them to randomly happen. The things we experience in life are often choices that we make. And so today I want to talk about choosing to love and how love in Scripture is this beautiful love, as we hear in the after song, Beautiful Love, is this beautiful love because it isn't just love for people who we have an affinity with. That's easy. The love in the Bible is about love that we extend even to those who we disagree with, even to those who are not like us, even those who we might consider our enemies. As I say that, I think of a, of a good friend of mine named Philip Jarba. Philip and I grew up deep in the Liberian rainforest. Uh, his mother uh, uh, was the chief of the big village called Plantabalabo, right next to our mission boarding station. Our, our mission station that I grew up on went from K through 12th grade. And I'd known Philip all the time growing up in Liberia. But then the war separated us. And then years later, I, I came back to Liberia. And when I came back, I found Philip because I had heard Philip was rebuilding the mission station, ENI Mission, that I grew up on in Sino County, Liberia. And so I got a hold of Philip and I said, I hear you're rebuilding it. And, and I heard it had been torn down during the war. He said, yes, I am. He said, please bring some of your people to help. And so I took a team of carpenters down there and we, we built bunk beds and helped to try to finish this dorm for girls who were being rescued from becoming child bright so that they could have an education. Well, after our first day of hard work, we ended up after dinner by a fire at night just catching up. And I started to, to ask Philip about his family. I said, so how's your mother? And then sadly, he says, well, my mother was killed during the war. And I said, man, Philip, I'm sorry. I said, what happened? And he said, well, the people of the Tiajin tribe, first they had raided the mission. They are the ones who destroyed E&I mission, burned the buildings down, stole all uh, of the things that were at the school. He said, then they went to my village and they killed my mother. I said, wow. I said, well, Philip, now that the war is over and now that you're a person of influence in the government, have you tracked down those people from the other tribe? Because Philip was a Sapo from the Sapo tribe. Have you tracked them down? You know who did that and, and, and brought them to justice. And he said, Palmer, I haven't done that. He said, you know, in Liberia after the war, we decided to have peace and reconciliation meetings. And so I have gone to the people of the Tiajin tribe and I've told them that I forgive them. And we don't have that animosity anymore. He said, in fact, almost half of the kids at my school and half of the girls that will be in this dorm you're helping to finish are from the Tiajin tribe. So do you see what Philip has done? As a follower of Jesus Christ, rather than extract revenge on his enemies, he's chosen to love them. That kind of love becomes life-changing, not just for the ones we extend it to, but it changes us. So there's a story in the Bible that's a lot like Philip Jarba's story. And in this story we read in the book of Jonah, and it's about Jonah and the people of the city of Nineveh. And maybe, I'm sure, you know the story well. You've heard it your whole life. But we know that God says to, to, to Jonah, he says, go to Nineveh. It's a bad place. I need it turned around. We read this in Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. 
go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because so many bad things. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarsus. You know this. He gets on a boat and he runs away. And then he gets eaten by a fish. But we won't jump there yet. But my point is, why does he not want to go to Nineveh? For the first three and a half chapters, you don't know why he's running away from the place. Then finally, in chapter four, he lets his heart out and he says this. This is verse two. He says, I knew, and he's speaking to God, that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. So Jonah says, I know that you're a God who loves. So if I go to the Ninevites, you're going to forgive them. You're going to show them grace. You're go- Just like Christ shows us grace when we're guilty of everything in the world. And he says, I don't want to do that. Now, you have to understand who Nineveh is. First of all, in this period of history, Nineveh was the largest city in the world. It was for about 50 years the most influential, most significant city in the world. They had canals coming in. They had theaters. It was as modern as you could get back then. And, and not only that, though, Nineveh was filled with Assyrians. It was a city of the people of Assyria. Now, you have to understand the relationship that the Hebrew people had with the Assyrians. It was nothing but war and battle and conflict and hatred. In fact, when you read 2 Kings chapter 15, you read about king after king who invades the people of Israel. It starts with King Pul, invades the people of Israel. Then you have Tiglath-Pilmer who comes in and we read that he takes the people captive. Then, then we read about King Shalmanzer. And King Shalmanzer, he, he comes in and he holds the city of Jerusalem hostage. One king after another. This doesn't go on for decades. This goes on for generation. That, that king after king of Assyria is after the Jewish people. Now, the thing is, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. Nineveh and the Assyrians, it's the same thing. Nineveh is the center of the beast. You know, of all the people in the world that the Hebrew people hated and despised at the time, it was the people of Nineveh. Not only only were they at war, but they were so different. They were the other. They were the people of of a different race, of a different language, of a different skin color. Their gods, and this is a small g God, their gods were different. They didn't worship the one and only God. They were different than than the Hebrew people in every way. For those reasons, there was so much animosity. They they were the despicable ones to the Jewish people. And then God says to Jonah, go to the Assyrians and rescue them. Show my love and compassion to them. And Jonah says, you've got to be kidding me, God. Anyone but the Assyrians, they're the canker sore of my life. I can't, I'll do just about anything, God. I'd rather jump off out of a ship into the ocean and be eaten by a whale than go to the Assyrians and show them your love. You can't ask me to do that. So Jonah runs away towards Tarsus. Then of all the bad luck in the world, this fish that swallows him spits him out on the beach right near Nineveh. And he doesn't have a choice but to go there. And here's what the Jonah, and and by the way, when when the fish spits him out there, it shows us, doesn't it? The story reminds us at that point, who's in control of it all. But, But the story of Jonah And Nineveh shows us how much, how badly God wants us to extend our love and his love 
even to people who we might despise or think are different than us or we might even hate or we view as our enemies. And it's not, here's the, the, the story under the story. Isn't about one person, Jonah, being called to love the Assyrians or the people of Nineveh. This is about an entire people. The entire people of God being called to love their enemies or to love those who are different than them and to embrace them. There's this subversive story underneath it all saying that that God's love, this beautiful love, as we started with, it extends to those who you've had a hard time loving maybe your entire life. And then you becoming the channel for God's blessing to them. That's the hardest part is God says to, to Jonah, I want you to be the channel of my blessing to the people that you have despised. The story ends. It's very last line of the story is a question from God. And God says this in chapter four. He says, so Jonah, you're telling me I should not love these people. I should not rescue them. You know, how can it be? Because our God is a God whose love is beautiful and good and is for every person. And then so should ours. And so the entire story doesn't just beg a question of Jonah. It begs a question of you and me. And it starts with this. Who is your enemy? Who have you been against? Maybe you've only been against them deep in your heart and you've held biases and prejudices against them for years. Who is that person or who is that group of people? The story of Jonah and Nineveh says our hearts have to change. And when we start to show the love of Christ, as Jonah is called to do, it actually starts to change us. This story you see in Jonah wants to blow up our stereotypes It wants to blow up our prejudices. It wants to blow up and destroy all of the biases we've held against different people. And God says, all the people of this world, you are called to embrace and to go toward. I think like Jonah, every day we have almost countless, but every day you have opportunity to show the love of Christ to someone, to someone who you normally wouldn't. And if you're writing anything down as, as you listen or watch right now, I would, I would invite you to think about your day because practically every day we are given moments by God where we can show and extend his love. And sometimes we hesitate. Sometimes we let the moment pass. H- have you ever felt that urging? Maybe it's a spirit of God saying, do, do something for them or ask are you doing okay? Or why are you crying? Or, or, or is there this project at work? Is this something you want me to help with right now? Or this project that's due at school, can I help you with that? Or the Spirit is saying, invite them to lunch. It could be that simple. But, but the Spirit of God is prodding and prompting you to show this beautiful love of God all the time. It's just that we ignore His voice. Or like Jonah, we head the other direction. I got a letter in the mail. I don't get too many handwritten letters a few months ago. And it was from a woman that I didn't know. She she lives not too far from from Chandler where where the the Grove is. And she writes about a man who's a friend of mine here at our church, the Grove. And she says, I just want to brag on this person. She said, my tire blew. I was on the freeway off-ramp and he saw me. 
and he pulled over. And when he realized my spare was no good, he said, get in the car with me. And he drove me to a tire shop and he bought the new tire, like somewhere around $100 if my memory is right. And they met, then he drove her back, she writes, put the tire on. It must have taken him almost three hours, she said. She said, so I just want to know, you to know that I, I am not the same race he is. I'm not the same age he is. I don't have the same background that he does. But I want to come to a church that has people like him in it. And so that next Sunday, I got to meet her. And she was here because someone stopped to show this beautiful love. You see, we have those opportunities all the time. But we think that someone is different than us. And so it's not my place to show them love. We think they're the other. So someone else might care about their problem. No, it's you and it's me that God wants to do that. So my challenge is to move toward and to go toward people in your life who historically or even through over the last 10 or 20 years in your life, you've simply ignored and dismissed. I want to challenge you to start moving toward them and going toward them. Because the Jonah story, it reminds us that there is a a direct connection between our love for other people, especially the ones we've despised in the past, and our love for God. You You can't disconnect the two. That there's this direct connection that if we say we love God, then we have to to love also the ones who are different than us. When we talk about what God requires of Christians and we read the Bible, we, we often as preachers or Bible teachers or just in small groups, we talk about that God wants us to read the Bible. God wants us to pray. God wants us to worship. God wants us to go to church. God wants us to have our quiet time. But what we don't talk enough about is that God wants us to love the other, to love those who we have held biases against, who we have 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 held animosity toward, just like Jonah had toward the Assyrians. You see, our theology, it can't just be in our minds. It has to spill out of our lives. And when, when your theology spills out of your life, you know what it looks like? It looks like love. Love for, for, for others, my point is, is inseparable from our love for God. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, John says it like this. Whoever does not love, I want to say this slowly. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Ouch, that kind of hurts. You see, John's getting a little snarky here. He says, if you say that you love God, okay, then you have to love others. And not just the people who are easy to love, not the ones who like you back, but the ones who you have found difficult to love. I think when you start to live this way, your life begins to fill with good and beautiful experiences. You see, that's what God, the beautiful love of, of Scripture takes us toward. Jonah had other things in mind. Rather than living out the love of God, he wanted to live out the hate of the human heart. Well, he wanted nothing but wrath and condemnation for his enemies, the Assyrians, the people of Nineveh. He wanted God to tear their city down, to destroy them. But instead, God says, show them 
how beautiful the love is when somebody knows me. This story is not just about how we show love. Think about this with me. It shows how we become an advocate for those who we've been against. Wow. That's what Jonah's called to do. Just don't go there and preach, but preach so that they come toward God. Preach so that you rescue them. Preach and become an advocate for them. Jesus says this. He says, I say, love your enemies, because if you only love those who love you, what reward is there in that? If you're only kind to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? And I want to remind you, this kind of love that we're talking about from this Old Testament story of Jonah, it's love that takes action. It's love that takes action on your part in the moment. So many times people say to me, and I'm sure they say it to you, they say, oh, I've been thinking about you. Or they'll say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you. And I always wonder, have they actually been thinking about me? Or will they actually be praying for me? I hope they are. But if you really care about someone, if you really love someone, it takes action. You have to, have to actually do something. Do you know what, act, what makes someone a friend? It's when they actually do things for you and with you. They're not just passing words and comments. I hope you have friends like that. I know my wife does, and I hope I have a few friends like that. But she has a, a friend named Patty. And some years ago, it was, it was Veronica's birthday. And Patty showed up at our house that afternoon with a cake. Now, and she says this. She said, I know you have, this was before we had daughter-in-laws. She said, I know you have only boys and men in this house and I don't think anyone's going to make you a cake. I don't know what made her think I wasn't going to make a cake because I had big plans to make a cake. Maybe. Or at least buy one at Fry's. Anyway, but if she brings her a cake. You see, love is a small thing, but love takes action. Love means that you actually do something. Love means that you walk the streets of Nineveh for the Ninevites to rescue them. Love is a choice and an action. And, and that's why I've said throughout this series that the experiences of life, they change us. But there's so many experiences that don't just happen by happenstance. They're, they are experiences we must choose. That's why I say love is a choice. If you're wondering where to start, what to do next, maybe there's a people group who you have been against for years. Start here. Start with what, what you know without a doubt that Jesus Christ wants you to do next. There's always the next simple thing. He'll open it. He'll show you. You'll see the opportunity. Now step into it. And maybe it's as simple as asking someone, are you doing okay today? Or maybe it's as simple as writing them a note, an email, or sending a text. Maybe it's as simple as inviting them into your backyard for a barbecue. But it, it starts with this, predetermine that when God gives you the opportunity to love, then do it. I'll end with this line from John, uh, or Jesus, in John chapter 13. And Jesus says this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's the beautiful love of Scripture.